the time of the turn of the millennium, I was in third grade. At school, we were given an assignment. How do I imagine the next turn of the millennium? Of course, everyone would write about flying cars and robots that would do all the boring stuff for us. But just to be different, I wrote that perhaps we were all wrong. Perhaps some unimaginable disaster will happen at some point that will wipe out all the technology and people and make the world very green and full of jungles and rivers. My teacher ridiculed me. She said what I wrote was stupid and would never, ever be possible in reality. Recently, I've kept coming back to this memory. What interests me in this episode are two things. One, when exactly did we start associating the future not with the helpful technology, endless idleness and prosperity, but with zombies and robots who don't have many other goals except killing us all? Two, how much of what I, a third grader, envisioned back then seems likely today? This is Literature from Finland podcast. I'm Urte from Helsinki Literary Agency, and this episode is dedicated to future visions and someone who portrays them better than anyone else in Finland, the EU Prize for Literature winner, Ia Leina. Welcome, and thank you so much for coming over and joining us on this very rainy and stormy afternoon in Helsinki. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Um, So, as we are already driving down the memory lane, I'll begin by asking whether you remember how people around you were talking about the future when you were a kid. How did the future look like uh, for Finns back then? I think it's very... Difficult to compare how it felt in, when I was a child and and now because now I maybe concentrate so, so much uh, in that what we are talking about future. But um, I remember that uh, it felt something that is coming to us, not something we are creating, and we try to figure it out by uh, playing spiritism as teenagers <laughs> and <laughs> asking oh, when we are going to die and everything and. And um, in society, I think that we didn't uh, think about future so much as we do now because the climate change is is changing our way to to look at it. And now we feel that we are really in charge and we have to to change the future somehow. Right, that we are sort of active participants in the in the creating of the future. And I mentioned this shift in our minds uh, from the future being utopian. Uh, very positive and hopeful to dystopian. So when do you think that started happening in society and in literature? What, and what was the first dystopian book that you read? I I don't see that kind of uh, change. I think that uh, those dystopian classics like uh, Margaret Atwood's Handmaid's Tale and uh, George Orwell and uh, Ray Bradburn and these, uh, they were all quite dark <laughs> visions also and um, maybe nowadays we are really concentrating on this uh, eco catastrophe and it's it's something we are really uh, writing about a lot but um, i think that it, it it's very long 
tendency to feel that uh, robots are going to, to kill us someday <laughs> and and it was it has has been so long as we have known that machines are very important for us and uh, right yeah. right yeah yeah um not long ago, and it's interesting that you mentioned robots killing, because uh, not long ago I was re- listening to this radio um, program where the guest researcher said that in the past 10 years, 70 new dystopian novels were written and published in Finland. And that's pretty much seven a year in a population of roughly 5.5 million people. And it struck me as bizarre, uh, in March 2021, uh, the World Happiness Report ranked Finland as the happiest country in the world, and that's for the fourth time in a row. And yet, Finns are crazy about dystopias. Uh, why do you think that is? Are Finns really so immensely happy that just to feel more balanced, uh, balanced, they need to surround themselves with fiction about burning earth and computers destroying our species, or perhaps... Thanks to the Finnish education system, they see the future much clearer than than the rest of the world. Um, I think that sometimes we define some books dystopias, even if they are not so dark at all. For example, my overtime is not only uh, about problems. There is also a world which which has done many things right, but then there's some some big problems there also and. Um, uh, I think that if we define dystopia that way, that it's it's very dark, then we don't have so many so many dystopias. And uh, for example, Lena Kroon in Finland, uh, some people say that she is writing dystopias, but I think that they are more unique books which you can can define. Right, right. And then, kind of fantasy and dystopia, I guess it's also very hard to. Uh, distinguish between them like the difference between uh, kind of dar- dark fantasy book and dystopian book i don't yeah yeah um if yeah. we in in yeah yeah and, and i think that we usually books are quite dark but uh, <laughs> if they are <laughs> uh, about uh, the past or present we don't say that this is a sad book about sad people in sad society so uh, somehow be- when we are writing about future we want to make this difference between the utopia and dystopia but yeah yeah but best books are, are both at the same time i think yeah that's a very good point um, and if we think about you now have mentioned a couple of cu- couple of finnish writers so if we think about these uh let's call them dystopia writers from finland uh, who are also quite popular and recognizable abroad such as uh, lena kroon as you mentioned and uh, emi taranta pasi ilmari jääskeläinen antti tuomainen sallasimukka uh, what is your relationship towards their work do you what do you think they get right in their books and what new do they bring to the international literary scene um I think that I read a lot and very different kind of books, also poetry and everything. And I'm not so <laughs> specialized in dystopians, but um, um, Emitaranta and uh, and Antti Tuomainen are very familiar for me. And I think that Emitaranta's uh, Memory of Water was very huge inspiration for me when I wrote Heaven, because there is some kind of atmosphere which is very uh, very interesting and very beautiful i think and for me that atmosphere is very important thing yeah and at the same time very 
very sad and scary too. I think what's uh, what made Emi Taranto's book very special is somehow it is very beautiful, but it's uh, she somehow combines those like very scary moments and also very um, likely to happen moments and and uh, something that can actually happen in the real life. So now you you've been mentioning your own books. Uh, we get to them. In 2019, your second novel, Heaven, that you just mentioned, won the EU Prize for Literature. And it was a story about Helsinki in the near future. Very poor, very dirty, um, overtaken by a nationalist movement. Uh, the only light in it being this uh, ad- addictive virtual world. Uh, the novel you published last year, over time, was sort of a thematic continuation in it, the main question was basically how to control the aging population. And solution <laughs> is to just get rid of it, basically. And then this autumn, you'll be releasing a new sci-fi thriller, exploring the dangers of powerful and ever-present technologies. So first of all, I want to ask about this newest book uh, due to be published in autumn. And, and how uh, can you tell a little bit more about it? Yes, it's a it's a thriller and set in the year 2045, and it's happening in the countryside in the eco community where where there is a journalist who gets a hint that there is something criminal going on in that community and um, and um, um, he starts to figure it out and move to that community. And uh, there is some crimes made uh, uh, with uh, smart devices, for example, floating tank, and and uh, I think it tries to be at the same time uh, philosophical and and uh, and very entertaining and uh, <laughs> exciting, and it, it was quite quite ambitious, right. Uh, but uh, I think I succeeded quite well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think so too. Well, I have to uh, reveal that I have read the manuscript and I think that you have su- succeeded too. And I think it's very interesting that in every book you kind of choose, even though thematically they're quite similar, they all sort of talk about future and ponder about future. But... Um, you sort of choose different kind of ways of approaching it and different kind of problems in them. And uh, like in overtime, it was so impressive, this uh, sort of the question of senicide and what do we do with old people and how do we solve? And that was kind of always bordering on this um, very, very real kind of scenario, which which I think it's just very chilling and, <laughs> and very impressive at the same time. What What keeps drawing you to the future? future narratives and dystopian future? I think I'm very curious. I I really like to think <laughs> big questions like uh, why we are here and uh, what will what will happen to us and how to live that kind of life it, uh, that really matters. And I think that those kind of... Uh, uh, that that kind of, kind of dystopias are the way to, to try to find out what we are really appreciating in our lives and and what is important. They give some new perspective and the way we can really uh, research some big problems of our time. And some of if, if you think about, for example, new technology, also those possibilities which we have. 
because I think this time is so interesting that we have we have problems and we have uh, something which can change the world uh, truly this new technology right right and technology is kind of a problem and a solution at the same time isn't it uh, which yeah. is also quite quite an interesting mm, paradox what do you think dystopian novels eventually are then uh, are there sort of a social statement a textbook that we are supposed to learn from for the future or just a sort of a bit of a masochist entertainment <laughs> i don't know i think that they are not masochist at all all but um I, yeah somehow uh, i believe that they 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 are some kind of tests because when we are writing those kind of uh, dystopias where we take something of some some things which are very important for us in this this world we really understand why they are important and why we appreciate them and uh, they helps us to see more clear this this time and uh, those things we should cherish in this time I think, and I mentioned it a little bit uh, already, but I think that the most striking thing about your novels is exactly the fact that they're not that uh, far off the real world. Um, and this is common, common to very many uh, dystopian classics like George Orwell uh, that you mentioned, or Margaret Atwood. Um, do you think that, in a way, we're already living uh, our dystopian future? I think it uh, depends how we define dystopian future. If if we think that the, the future where there are huge problems, then then we are really <laughs> living in that in that kind of moment. Uh, but I think that, that there is not not that kind of thing or that uh, that um, present is either good or bad or dark or bright. I think that is both at the same time, and and we are really living that kind of life where we have, have challenges but also many tools to, to, to try to change things and and if you think about past it's not good or bad or or present the present is not good or bad everything is is both at the same time right so is it easier to learn from uh, uh, literature and fiction literature about the past is it easier to learn from the history or is it easier to um, yeah, to try to assume what's going to happen from like these future futuristic dystopian novels. What do you think? Yeah, uh, what do you mean? Is it easier? Well, I mean, uh, is it easier? How if if we talk about uh, kind of observing our society and observing like what if we want to make uh, some sort of statement for people or affect people and make people think the readers uh, mm. think do you think it is easier to do it through exploring the history or exploring the possible future maybe I think that we have more possibilities if we are exploring the future because uh, history is what it is and <laughs> 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 you can change that, that and very often in those historical books I think that People are very concentrated on that. Is it is it right? Is, are, are facts really true? And uh, I have uh, that uh, writer really 
research, doing his research very well, well and uh, but when when you are writing about future uh, you are more free to to try things and uh, invent things and uh, it, it it's i think it's it's much more nicer yeah do you do research for your books even though you were writing about future <laughs> yes a lot i i i like i like to read uh many kind of uh, non-fiction books about future and i think it's very important to know uh at first what kind of society we are living in now and also those scenarios what will happen because uh, without that kind of research uh, it would be maybe some kind of nonsense to, to, to write right right yeah and at this point i want to go back to your books actually and uh, if we talk about research and if we talk about over time that again it, it was exploring this sort of a- aging question like what I don't want to sound cheesy with this question, but what inspired you to write about this uh, and explore this topic in that way? Like, um, well, if you if you describe a little bit the the book itself and 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 tell us just how how you got to the point about writing and sort of coming to this kind of solution in the book, how to how to solve the problem of aging society. Yeah, the in in over time, the citizenship of Finland is restricted to seventy five years and uh, I think that I got that idea when I was working as a journalist and I was listening that kind of uh, discussion in society where we're talking about um, in politics about uh, old people and uh, and I felt that we were concentrating so much on economical things that that it, it was the most important thing that economy grows all the time and and I felt that uh, somehow we are maybe losing our humanity in that uh, that <laughs> concentration and i know that finnish people are very um we try to do everything so so well and concentrate on <laughs> real life issues that are not not any kind of fantasies or uh, and um, i think it's it's something that that can destroy us somehow right if we, if we go on all the time and don't don't uh, stop and think that there are much more maybe much more important things than than only money (laughs) right right so in the novel this main character Anastina Kankanrinta who uh, was a politician at the time who was behind the law uh, that makes people sort of exterminated uh, uh, after they uh, get to the age of 75 and then she gets to the age of 75 and she sort of gets cold feet and she flees and in the novel I mean at the end of the novel it's still quite not clear what eventually happens to them to her Um, what do you think happens to her I think that uh, she is tr- she tries to change that situation and she tries to change that politics, <laughs> and uh, she's a person who who just doesn't give up ever. <laughs> and uh, actually, I, at first I thought that I I gonna kill him, kill her at the end, but um, but then I understood that no, Anastina is not that kind of person who who commits suicide. That yeah. she she really tries. To the end yeah 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 that's that's very interesting and i think i think about over time as well oh, it's quite unusual i guess or i'm not really sure but i think it's a bit unusual to have this sort of 
sarcastic humor in in these kind of books like you write about quite grim and quite possible scenarios of our future but this at the same time i thought that there was a lot of really nice sort of um old ladies humor i want to say and this kind of you know her relationship with this hologram of heat letter and 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 this kind of things that i think it's very uh, it was quite refreshing and i think it gives really nice sort of spice to the uh, to the novel but if we talk about finland and um i think many people abroad uh really imagine Finland as this wonderful state of welfare and you know great education and equality which which it is uh, but I don't think that many know or remember anymore that really Finland was one of the poorest countries and not that long ago at all uh, in fact when UNICEF was uh, created uh, just after the second world war Finland was among the first countries to get support uh, because uh, so many, such a huge percentage percentage of children were were malnourished in in the country, and yet here we are, uh, the happiest country in the world for the fourth time. Uh, do you think Finland can serve as an example of a brighter vision of the future? Yeah, I think that we have done many things very. Very well, and uh, uh, I think that maybe the reason why I started to write Heaven was that uh, I felt that uh, Finland is so great place, and uh, it felt so wonderful to live there in Helsinki with my little children, and when I felt that uh, people were taking care of them so much, so I all kindergarten teachers and dentists and everybody was working to do, to make their life perfect, and. Um, and uh, I, I started to think that we can lose this all if we don't appreciate it. Uh, but uh, but at the same time, I think that we are suffering those same problems as every other world, <laughs> country in the world. That we are, for example, uh, destroying our environment here to that paper industry is very important in Finland. And uh, we don't discuss enough, I think, that those those harms which we are causing to our forests and and uh, our coastline is full of carpets as everybody right. else else is. And um, so so we have some some same problems and as anyone every other country is and and so we are living. All, some kind of utopia where there is some dystopian, <laughs> <laughs> dystopian uh, motives. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think it's uh, you nicely described uh, Anastina Kankarinta from over time as this person who never gives up. And I think it's a nice symbol for, for entire Finland. I think Finland is that kind of country that uh, they just, you know, people do what they need to do eventually and somehow they just don't give up, uh, which which I think is nice to think about in these times. <laughs> um, for the ending, um, very literary questions. Who is your current literary crush? Uh, I think that the, it's Richard Powers with uh, <laughs> the overstory. It's a book about uh, trees and... Uh, uh, I think it's some kind of new thinking where trees are very important and they have some kind of absolute value. Um, 
and uh, there is mentioned 300 trees in that fiction book and those people of course those who are trying to, to protect them at all for example old redwoods which are, might be thousand years old and still still in danger by people <laughs> who yeah. are who are trying to get money from them and i think it was very interesting because because uh, it's that kind of thinking which i think that will be the future that we understand that the, the na- we are not the center of the universe hmm. do you follow any authors in social media um I don't know. Do I follow them? My, of course, authors, friends, and and uh, very often they are very <laughs> interesting in social media. Uh, but um, yeah, <laughs> some some, some yeah. Finnish author colleagues. Yeah. Um, what's the funniest futuristic plot that you have ever read or heard of? Um, I think one of them was downsizing there <laughs> in the movie, uh, which uh, it was a couple of years ago, and there was Matt Damon in that movie, uh, the protagonist, and um, um, the idea was that uh, people has have in the invented that kind of way to to string people to be very very tiny. So that they could <laughs> live in in tiny people's communities and you know, cause uh, less emissions and carpets and everything. It was some kind of uh, environment, environment protection, and uh, there were some problems, of course, there <laughs> in those communities also. But the idea was very, very, very interesting. That sounds sounds like one of the solutions to, to our problems. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Pia Leena. This was Literature from Finland, brought to you by Helsinki Literary Agency and hosted by me, Urte. Special thanks to Petri Latvala for the design and Alessandro Dana for the music, and to colleagues Urpo, Vivi and Kai. And don't forget to tune in next month as we'll talk very Finnish romance with author Nina Mero. See you around.